star date 57382.6 whatever uh, 1996 I'm living in Boston I'm going to grad school and I don't have cable and the, the TV reception is shit so the only way I can really watch anything is by going to the Tower Records on Newbury Avenue and picking up TV shows that are available for rent on videotape so I'm watching a lot of Star Trek it was just easily digestible you could sit down and watch one for uh, you know an hour and then get back to studying I, I was watching a lot of Star Trek and one night I go into town take the train to Newbury Avenue it's a it's a ground stop so you get off the train and then you walk up the stairs and you come out of the exit and then you're outdoors and I had forgotten that it was Halloween and I was returning some Star Trek and I was going to pick up some more Star Trek and I see a guy leaned up against the wall in a Starfleet uniform uh, smoking and my instant immediate thought was oh a guy from Starfleet is on leave and instant later thought you watch too much goddamn Star Trek if you think that there's an actual Starfleet and that that's an actual guy in an actual Starfleet uniform smoking a cigarette on leave from traveling throughout the universe. So it, it was a wake-up moment that I need to I need to ease off the Star Trek. When we were thinking of ideas for shows, I, I, I was thinking, what do we love that we actually also really kind of hate? And I don't know why Star Trek wasn't the first one there. It's been around forever. It's full of holes. It's scientifically inaccurate. And it's tons and tons of fucking fun. So that's what today's show is about, Star Trek. I initially wanted to talk about how all of Star Trek is just one deep continuing dive into awful and has been since the original series. With the Wrath of Khan being a minor upward blip. Uh, but then Brian pointed out we don't have a whole lot of ideas for shows and so maybe we should just do the original series and then we'll bag on the rest of it in coming weeks. And I kind of like that idea. It saves us a lot of work. And if there's one thing I really am a party to, it's laziness. So today we're talking about Star Trek, particularly the original cast. Sometimes we blur into the movies and and you know please let me know what you think we should be talking about or your opinions on star trek i'm at chow and rico on twitter um or you can write us at magnificently huge at gmail.com this is a very early podcast but god damn it we're gonna go to the distance we're gonna be here next year and we're still gonna be talking out our butts about things we love that also kind of suck so here we go all right. So All right. before we start, Brian, you bought a car. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, yeah. And with any luck, I'll still have my nuts tomorrow. You weren't supposed to tell anybody, Eric. <laughs> Fuck. Should probably find out before we like put this out. Maybe if if <laughs> actually if Brian does his job right, she won't know ever. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Why are you gonna get in trouble? Oh no! Just uh, I didn't bring her with me to the dealership. She knew I was going. I think she was hoping I would wait. Oh. Um, but I gave her a chance to talk me out of it, and she didn't. Huh. So, so now no, it's I'm, her fault. <laughs> no, it's my fault. I'm just uh, gonna have to explain why she wasn't effective. 
right? Well, all right. Well, also, also before we begin, uh, I just wanted to ask, uh, what was the last movie you watched this week? Go. Uh, yesterday, I watched uh, Doctor Strange, finally. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Do you see, you see what I'm talking about now when you put out the hand and you twirl out the other one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, it, Magic is easy. All you need is some mime. <laughs> or a cumberbatch. I liked the ending, though. I liked the defeat of the main bad guy, which is, I'm just going to let you keep kicking my ass until you get bored. I thought that was fun. <laughs> Did that bring back memories for you? or? Oh. 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 <laughs> this is a cheap shot. <laughs> All right. Brian, have you watched anything this week that you care to share with the class? Uh, I saw Wonder Woman. Oh, okay. That's the most recent movie. It was funny because um, my wife was, was uh, hoping for a better Wonder Woman movie given the hype that she was given. So I guess she didn't get as much out of it as she was hoping to. For example, she thought it was kind of dumb to invert the oh you know the sidekick uh love interest guy is is naked in the one scene um just like if this was really feminist we wouldn't have had any scene like that why do we have this scene good point that's for the fanboys why does she need a romantic you know why does she need a a colonel steve or whatever his name was from the show at all yeah honestly the entire the entire love uh subplot really didn't work the movie didn't need it yeah. it would have been better without it except that it was the character's primary motivation which wasn't clear but they already had that that snapshot with her and chris pine in, in batman v superman so i think they were kind of locked in place true well i watched logan in keeping with all of us watching superhero movies um and the little kid i presume you both have seen it yep the uh the little kid uh, looked exactly like Lucas Haas from Witness, <laughs> and and it just bothered me through the entire thing. And then I started looking at the structure of the movie, and I'm like, holy shit, they did Logan, but basically this is Witness. And <laughs> I lost my shit. And somebody didn't notice that they were riffing, so they cast a kid who <laughs> looks like Lucas Haas. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's Peter Weir's X Men. So. That was my weirdness. It could have been funny if they'd have done a kind of uh, Groundhog Day moment where they were in a time loop and, and they kept playing uh, that music while he's fixing the truck. Remember the scene that they like shot 90 times and over and over again of Harrison Ford and, 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 and Kelly McGillis? And then he goes to see the movie witness and he used like the second take. And he was super pissed off that they made him reshoot that scene 90 times. He was like, you used the second take, you fuck? And then they made Mosquito Coast, which is essentially just... Which is really funny. One, yeah. lo one long take, and it's the funniest movie you'll ever see. I think it is, it, is, it is one of the many films of my favorite awful filmmaker, Paul Schrader. Uh, the genius behind American Gigolo and Cat People. Yeah. Well, all right. All right, but we're talking Star Trek today. Hold on. Well, the Chris Pine thing leads into that nicely. So, yeah. Well done, Brian. Yes, yes. You get to see uh, Captain Kirk nearly naked in Wonder Woman. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all right. Yeah. So on our, our, our continuing journey of bashing stuff we kind of like, actually, 
thought we would talk about Star Trek, and I, I was thinking just all of Star Trek because it would be fun to listen to Ryerson talk about how much he didn't like it. But well, you both uh, enjoy Star Trek way more than I do, uh, so I don't anticipate I'm going to have much other to say than uh, bullshit. I guess we're going to break it up a bit if I got our chats correct, and we're just going to talk about the original series right now. Uh, let's just take it where it goes. Original series and two Patriarch movies would be where I'd shoot. Yeah. Okay. So what what is your familiarity with Star Trek anyway, Chris? Because I know you are always a lot better than us. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for finally recognizing. Uh, you... Um, he only watches TBS, so he didn't see it. Yeah, I uh, well, I like all all kids. I watch the the reruns, uh, so I'm familiar with that, and then watched the movies uh, as well. Yeah, uh, but I but I didn't get into all of the the next generation stuff because I just felt it was right silly i remember watching those reruns when when i was in first grade i would come home i i I think my earliest tv memories are of watching star trek and i guess i got what was going on but i was young enough that everything was dreamlike all i know is that they were in space and it was kind of cool and so i got into it on a very you know childish level which i think is the best way to appreciate star trek well i think it's because they color code everything really well yeah. Uh, so it's de- it's designed very, and I wouldn't say simplistically, but it's it's got a good design, so it's easy to kind of follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once you figure out what all the color codes mean, then you can kind of move along a little bit. And like, oh, that blue guy, he he knows all the science, and that red guy, he's going to fix the engine, and that guy in yellow is going to get everybody killed. Right. And then you can just move on with your day. It was a neat idea, though, that you could do. It wasn't. It was actual science fiction. They would do a science fiction short story every week. And it was usually well thought out. You know, it wasn't like... Um, oh, well, we'll see. It wasn't like the, <laughs> the Star Wars movies. I feel movies. like Spock's brain is going to come up here at some point. Yeah, I mean, the Star Wars movies aren't science fiction. They're action movies set in space. But Star Trek, originally, were a lot of science fiction writers of the time taking a crack at this show i thought a lot of them were actually really good uh yeah spock's brain i mean everything third season is when they got their budget slashed and they were barely brought back yeah third season is is better forgotten uh my my first exposure to star trek honestly it was one of those things that i knew that people were watching and were into but i wasn't one of them uh so for me, it was it was kind of this thing that was on TV sometimes, and what mostly caught my attention were the like the blaring horns and the soundtrack, uh-huh. you know, the the really sort of overwrought '60s action music, <laughs> and of course, um, I owe a debt of pubescent gratitude to William Ware Tice who designed the costumes, because he's like a master of the underboob and the side boob. Yes. <laughs> Yes, under boob. And also ah. worked on Next Generation for the first couple seasons. But uh. So for me, yeah, it was like under boob and trumpets. Yeah. Well, let's hear it for the uh, the Starfleet in the future who's com- combated against feminism 
and uh, allowed the women to wear miniskirts. They're they're empowered cycling. to wear minis. They're like the Spice Girls. That's power. <laughs> That's feminism. I am whoring myself out on purpose. Yeah. I choose to be slutty. I kind of came to it backwards. So, like, the... I guess the first movie got my attention because at that point, you know, it's 1979 and Star Wars was gone for two years and, and everyone in our generation, at least all the, the males I knew, were just sort of like, oh, God, how do I get another fix? Like, I've had a hit of Star Wars and I don't, I, I'm yeah. jonesing. <laughs> yeah, and, and that Moonraker so, thing was kind of a bust. So, yeah. shit. So, you know, Trek 79 came out and, uh, you know, it had it had stars and ships in it. So that 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 was okay, um, but really, have, have, I recently saw a thing on the internets uh, where someone took the motion picture, Star Trek the motion picture. Uh, they basically cut it down to 22 minutes, which is all the high points from start to finish, uh, and then took out Jared Goldsmith's score and put in the score by Daft Punk from Tron Legacy. Oh, cool! And it is. It is a perfect 22 minutes of Star Trek, the motion picture. You don't need any of the extraneous stuff. They get all the points. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And then you're done. That's amazing. That's a great idea. Uh, I urge you to watch it because it's, it's really quite fun uh, if Star Trek, the motion picture could be called such. Well, the only thing I was going to point out was when Joe Bob Briggs showed it on the USA Network, I laughed my balls off when he came back from commercial and said, Okay, now we're going to w- continue to watch Star Trek, the motion picture, and we're going to watch 22 minutes of a Enterprise model flying through flashy lights. These people have no shame. <laughs> and sure enough, that's exactly what it was. It was nothing but, you know, the ship flying through V'ger with occasional cuts to the crew going, uh It's the motionless picture, right? Like, that's what people call it. Well, yeah, and then it, and it also, also had that, that fun noise every time they cut to V'ger, that... Yeah. And then lightning. Did, were we going to talk about the movies and the, 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 the show, or...? I was, yeah, so I was trying to use the movies to segue back to the show, because really, it was, it was the first two movies that got my attention, and then I went back to the show, and I got way into Trek, all forms of Trek, for many years after that yeah. but but yeah at first it was just tits and trumpets yeah I, I i actually knew the show before the movies and to the to the point i saw wrath of khan and was like fuck khan's old because he was not in the show so and i don't i still don't right. get that I, I know it's a movie mentioned but khan was really old in in you know like like a lot older but none of his crew was what the fuck is up with that I thought they all left at the same time. It was an entirely different crew. They were all young when they uh, uh, were on the show. And, you know, they, they come back. Maybe and they were the offspring, like the crew had babies and died. I don't know. Yeah. What, what up with that? Uh, well, well, maybe well, half the crew actually made it to SETI Alpha 5. Because this is SETI Alpha 6. <laughs> no, that was SETI Alpha 5. <laughs> Whatever and the quote is. I don't wife. care. <laughs> I don't care. Is this SETI Alpha 5? Anyway, okay, yeah, continuity error, but, uh, anyway, so, Star Trek, funny show, what's your favorite one? Ooh, um, everyone, you know, in all the lists, everybody puts, um, City on the Edge of Forever as its favorite, that's not my favorite. Uh Uh-huh. Um, 
I'm not a fan of the ones where they do the time travel stuff, frankly. I yeah. think it's I think that's I cheap. think it's it's an easy out. I kind of yeah. like the cage, the original pilot. Um and not necessarily even the re-edited version of it that was the menagerie. Right. Um, but I really liked that show with uh, Majel Barrett as the first officer and Captain Pike. Yeah, I think they missed something not keeping that. Yeah. Um, what about you, Eric? What's your favorite episode? Uh, I can see. I I I I have trouble remembering. Uh, the titles. Um, yeah, I, I like the one where they go through the transporter and come out in the evil alternate universe version where, you know, yes. Spock has a goatee, and so, of course, he's evil, and they torture people for <laughs> being fuck-ups. Mirror Mirror was the name of that episode. Mirror Mirror, yeah. I like that one. And uh, I like that one, and I also like when they flash back to the normal universe where the evil versions have showed up because we get to see William Shatner again doing, I'm going to kill you. I'll kill you. <laughs> you listen to me. <laughs> William Shatner. I guess that was like really good acting at the time. He was celebrated for being an actor, but you watch that show and there's so many times where you just start busting up. I'll kill you. Well, I think it, it kind of, Open the door for all of the guest star stuff, where they kind of chewed some scenery. Yeah, because uh, there's the one with uh, Frank Gorshin, <laughs> who just basically takes over the entire episode as the crazy dude who's black on the left and white on the right. I love that and one. It's their really, well, it's their really subtle uh, statement on uh, racism, and you really have to watch it hard to figure out what they're talking about. And that's what I like about it so yeah. much. Yeah, that was not subtle. That's a joke, right? Because that was... <laughs> none, of them are, none of them are subtle. That's I'm the black on the left really side and white on now. the right. Hint, hint. <laughs> it was effective, though, right? I mean, yeah, it was, it was a sledgehammer to the head in terms of subtlety. Well, yeah, when you're seven, you're like, oh, wait, racism is bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on. Who doesn't know this? <laughs> I, so that's well, my problem with them is the they sense, all get a little too didactic. I mean, it's just like they're they're like a blunt instrument uh, so, for most of the episodes, that's and that's what I. That's not the point. That one wasn't. No, perhaps no. that is the point. Like, suppose Roddenberry's trying to say this is how the future could be. You know, we could we could overcome all of these things. The only way that really happens is if all of the existing people are dead. And future generations don't behave that way. So maybe he has to make it operate on a seven-year-old level in order to eventually raise the generation that he wants to see. Or I'm giving him way too much credit because he was just a dude making TV shows. I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was more about the obsessiveness with it. You know, think, It wasn't just, it was just that racism is bad. It was the people who make this part of their identity are, you know, they, they can only kill themselves. It, it, because it was both sides. It wasn't just an oppressor and an oppressed. It was two intractably pissed off people. And if you just stay with being intractably pissed off, you destroy yourself, no, no matter who's right. I, I, I think, yeah, you know, the black on the left side, white on the right side was just to smack you upside the head and say, no, I'm talking about you, assholes. But otherwise, there were subtleties there. So there. I'll... <laughs> Yeah, you yeah, you go ahead. 
I'm fine with that. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I can't even express how indifferent I am to Star Trek at this stage, so <laughs> yeah. you, you feel free this to is gonna discuss be amongst yourselves. This is going to be me in most of the future podcasts. When you guys are like going off about stuff I have no clue about, you know, I'm just going to be like, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean- another, another episode... Um, that it was on my list was the Doomsday Machine. Which where, one is that one? So is that the one with like, Terry Gar? Um, there was a dude. His name was Commodore Decker, and he was kind of the um, Captain oh, Ahab. Yeah, the big joint in space. Yeah, it's this giant joint destroying planets in space. And <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. there was a so there was a point in my life where I actually did read some like of the just the the pulp books that you could get and somebody did a cool fanficy kind of thing where it was actually a, a next generation set oh. book but he retconned the doomsday machine to have been invented by somebody whose race had been destroyed by the borg and they wanted to destroy the borg and in order to do that it had they had to destroy like hundreds of worlds where the borg had infected it and so they were they didn't care how many worlds they killed on the way to it because that's how the thing got power so the whole idea was the doomsday machine was working its way across the galaxy destroying planets just to kill the borg which i kind of liked i that's uh, so dark yeah, I, i'm going to i'm going to skyhook you here for to save you from looking geeky and alone because i read that book too and it's by peter david and it's one of the the better star trek the next generation novels <laughs> I read those two. <laughs> Vendetta was its name. Yeah, yeah. I I've really had too much of a connection of Star Trek in my life. I think somewhere it just went really, really downhill. I think they ran out of stuff. You know. Well, the, it's probably when they had ten shows on at the same time. Yeah. Uh, that kind of dilutes the gene pool a little bit. That didn't help. But even just the original series, like as the budgets got cut, they they really ran out of steam. Yeah. You know, as you but, said, yeah, Spock's but, brain in the whole third season. Yeah. I'm look- oh, okay, I'll give you that. I'm looking at the third uh, season, and there are some some interesting ones. The Tholian web, the one where they get trapped inside the little spider web in, in space. Oh, yeah. That was third season. Uh, this one, I never know what the show is. I just love the title. For the world is hollow, and I have touched the sky. I think that's one where Kirk gets amnesia and, and, and in a tribe of American Indians in space, and he thinks he's one of them. And <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Harlan Ellison title or something. Yeah. Oh, Harlan Ellison. What's the one with Charles Napier, and he's the hippie, the space hippies? Uh, that yeah. is because it's uh no uh no uh. Uh, and but basically he's he playing the lute and they all get a little crazy a little hippy dippy yeah yeah and the one where uh, he was trying to make a play for the hippies going they're not entirely assholes but of course they die in the end <laughs> I think yeah. that's the third and I think that's got the the cutscene we the good old boys and then they play their song <laughs> I'm standing here wondering what. what? man tells another man out of my way he piles up trouble for himself all day 
of trouble come to an end When a man tells another man, be my friend uh -huh. My friend So one of the things that, that confused me when I was a kid trying to take in Star Trek was there were there, there were episodes where Mark Leonard was Sarek, Spock's father, and then there was another episode, the Balance of Terror episode, which was the submarine battle with the Romulans. Yeah, that's a good one. And Mark Leonard was the Romulan, and he looks exactly the fucking same. He looks like Sarek, so I had no, I, I couldn't understand what the yeah. hell was going on there. I thought it was the he, same person. Yeah, why Spock's dad being an asshole? Yeah. Well, speaking of continuity, because that reminds me of this one, because this is sort of the bridge uh, from OTS to TNG. Is OTS, is that what they call it? Or TOS. OST? TOS. It's actually it TOS. <laughs> uh, but the Klingons in the original series don't have that turtle head. Yeah. Right. And then suddenly they do, and I don't think I've ever seen anything anywhere where they just explain why that is. Uh, well, it was just yeah, they did a, on the 20-year gap. They did on Enterprise, and it was it was a, a oh, shit explanation. Yeah, I had I had an idea for how that should go. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this one, Eric, but I I remember spitballing this with you once. Um, but my my idea for how that happened was that. Uh, there were two. There were sort of like a, a genetic aberration within the Klingons. You know, some people had pointy heads, and some people looked like they did in the old series. Uh -huh. And because they're Klingons, someone with a pointy head gains the power, and they just start committing genocide <laughs> against all of the old school looking Klingons because they're not Klingon enough. Right. They pull an X. And so then you might have like Klingons who are surgically altering themselves so that they blend in and, right. and not get killed. Yeah, I think I had but the same idea. But then it like a was... dominant trait, because if you see every other character in the the later shows, all the Klingons, even the half-Klingons, have that giant forehead ridge thing. Yeah. Well, what's the actual canon explanation? Like, why did... I, I know Worf made a comment, like, we don't like to talk about yeah, it or something in the It's fucking episode. dumb. I, it's just fucking dumb. It's... Okay, let's see... Uh, some of the genetically engineered humans that, that left the Earth with Khan, well, they dug up some of them early, and the Klingons got a hold of a couple of them, and they made some kind of super serum so they could be super tough, strong Klingons, and it caused a genetic malfunction that uh, made their heads made their head lumpies go away because they always had the head lumpy things and this thing <laughs> made the head lumpies go away and they said we'll probably have this for several generations so that they could then explain how they don't have them and then they do and fuck off just fuck off my that idea was, was better so <laughs> goddamn lame and the only reason they did that was they were like wait a minute we've got a couple of deep space nine episodes where people from the original series show up on deep space nine with head lumpies how do we how do we make that happen how do we make that cool stupid mm -hmm. stupid <laughs> yeah in the in the original <laughs> deep space nine went back to the tribbles episode and in that episode, like the whole plot centers around a Klingon disguised as a human. Yeah, like the Tribbles can tell he's a Klingon because he smells bad or something. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, and and I know this isn't the original thing, which is supposedly what this this particular uh, session is for. But I realized that I was uh, way under my punching weight for this particular topic. <laughs> uh, 
So I I went back to Netflix and I uh, I watched the pilot episodes to uh, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise. And so that was a bad idea. Yeah, and I was appalled at how uh, utterly bored I was with the yeah. entire thing. Oh God! Because basically the the pilot to the Voyager is essentially uh, a ripoff of the pilot to Next Generation, the the, the Far mm-hmm. Point one. Yeah. Uh, they just replaced Q with the the caretaker. Uh, the Enterprise one. I mean, and the other two, I only got like twenty minutes in. I basically watched for all of the character introductions. And then I just kind of called it a day. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first season of any of the of those spinoff shows, the whole season is probably uh, largely disposable, <laughs> but especially well, and the pilots. It, it, well, what really struck me as funny is on Deep Space Nine, uh, and probably in retrospect now, they're probably not happy uh, with the rise of Kim Kardashian because that's their big bad is the the Kardashians. <laughs> and that was the only association that I could magically uh, see every time they mentioned the name. And so I just imagined this, like, really uh, nouveau reach, big-butted race uh, that has basically come in and taken over social media on the planet Bajor. Yeah. And that was sort of, that was my Deep Space Nine deal. Uh, so I'm, I just, at that point, I just threw in the towel. I'm like, I've got nothing to add. Really? You're, you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing Gold Ducat with like collagen injections and shit now. Thanks. Um, okay. So geeky. Yeah. Um, but uh, for the original series, I always, and I don't know why, maybe it's, uh, I think Telly Savalas was in it. Wasn't he in the, uh, the Gangster World one? Ah, uh, the piece of the action. No, that yeah. was uh, yeah. that was I can't remember his name, but uh, that was Mel from Mel's Diner from Alice. That's who it was. I always yeah. I always get those two confused. Vic Tabak. Uh, Vic Tabak. I see them. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I love that episode. That episode was hilarious. They always do. That's the episode. I, the episodes I don't like. You know, like you don't like the time travel ones. I don't like the ones where they go to an alien planet. That is light years away from Earth, and they, for some shit explanation, they have taken on some historical element of Earth. Like there's that one because some right. some previous landing party left a crime novel on the planet, and the whole planet decided to use it as their basis of life, which makes no sense because I don't know one pulp okay. novel that te- teaches you how to make a Model T or a Tommy gun. Uh, they they have another one well, where one of their no one of their their, their, their their guys shows up on a planet and decides you know what you know who really got it right on Earth the Nazis and so we're gonna recreate <laughs> Nazis on this alien planet because because that shit worked out great yeah what or or no they had one where they show up and there is no explanation why they have a U.S. flag and a a United States Constitution that reads like the United States Constitution it's uh, Fuck! I know you're doing a metaphor, but you're you're really not trying. Once you do that, well, see, and and these are the things that I always see when I watch the the shows. So it's really hard for me to, I don't know, get enthused about it yeah. because it's like, well, there's just too many weird little easy peasy 
uh, structural things that they could have worked. But out the other thing that makes me think about is that we we're pretty sharp. Not just the three of us, but like people in this generation, we can we can handle a lot of meta. We can handle you know sort of difficult structure. And I'm wondering if in the '60s, where they had none of that yet this was about as heavy as anything could get. And so now and again, you had to have an episode where it's like, uh, you know what, uh, Nazis. We'll put in Nazis because people understand Nazi. They know what Nazis means. It'll be it'll be a way of getting them to well, relate. Well, it's 60s TV. I mean, let's, let's not forget that TV and reality in the 60s are not the same thing, right? Like, you know, one of the things that, you know, Star Trek is is praised for is their that first interracial kiss on television, which, by the way, it wasn't actually. The first one was in the BBC six years earlier. But, um, well, but the, what about the, Lucy the and network, Ricky? What about Lucy? What about Ricky? Lucy and well, Ricky? You know, in black and white, you can't tell. Um, <laughs> you got but, some explaining uh, to do. <laughs> <laughs> but but the network wanted uh, wanted the kiss to be between Uhura and Spock. Because um, they thought that they would piss off their viewers in the South, um, but they could explain it away if it, if it was with an alien. <laughs> so it's okay for black people to kiss aliens, yeah. but not white dudes. Well, it, going beyond that, though, this so-called first kiss, even if you call it the first interracial kiss in America, it was a forced kiss because they were doing it against their will. Right. So it was a little rapey. Yeah, it's like ew, ew, I don't yeah. want to. Which is almost as weird well, as which is almost as weird as what you just said, Brian, about how in black and white Cubans are almost as good as white people. I mean, I take offense. Yeah, at that. you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're well, like everything, it's all about the context. Yes, distinction downward, down. <laughs> See, this uh. is this is me attempting to do the kind of joke that that. I've always appreciated from Eric, you know, like <laughs> we had a, we had a friend who, uh, we were walking down the street and Eric is talking about people in, in the generic people that had strokes face hangs down like this. And a friend gets really upset with like, Hey, my grandma had a stroke and, and Eric committed to his joke, knowing he stuck his foot in his mouth, decides to shove the other foot in as hard as he possibly can. And is like pauses and goes, Oh, well, did her face hang down like this? <laughs> <laughs> I I still I still maintain people who have strokes it it usually it looks like their face is melting and I don't know why it's like just one side of their face it's like wasn't that a, a Star Trek alien probably no that was Ross Perot like, like, like one side of the face <laughs> I can't keep him straight well this is the other thing that bothers me about Star Trek and this is across all of them okay uh, and this is not a defense of Star Wars although it'll sound like a de facto defense of Star Wars, but none of the aliens in Star Trek uh, move beyond the humanoid bipedal one-head thing. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody speaks alien. Yeah, and it's so basically every culture that you encounter across this vast galaxy uh, are all bipedal in some form. Yeah. And it's just, it's just bothersome to me. It's So again, it's just... <laughs> I don't think they recognize their limitation, but they, they basically have just said, well, you know, it's a TV show, whatever, we can't blah, blah, blah. So yeah. come on. Well, that and the Universal Translator. Hey, we're exploring strange new worlds that we've never experienced before, and our computer knows how to translate their shit. Run that through, I mean, run Japanese through Google Translate a couple different ways to see, <laughs> see what comes out the other end. <laughs> but every, 
Yeah, it's the the 27th century version of Babblefish. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at, at the very least, I think sci-fi shows should do that. Take the the you know, take the 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 lines and run them through Google Translate through several languages and then have that be what the computer spits out. <laughs> well, if it was true to form and they had actually if Star Trek was being made today, then you would have things like Siri, what are they saying? Boop boop. And then it would come back and tell you. First, there'd be like an advertisement, you know. <laughs> yeah, where's the advertisement? To fire torpedoes, press one. <laughs> to raise shields, press two. I still don't understand why they need that great big huge goddamn ship. I mean, they, they, they've said there's like, what, 300 people on that, that thing? And to do what? I mean, they, they go to a planet, they send down three guys... The three guys have uh, and it's always an the same three guys and yeah oh yeah three guys and 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 two fuckers in red shirts who will die. I mean every everyone knows they're dead. And then here's what bothers me about that. What are the other what are the other what are the other like two hundred ninety five people doing up there? They're pedaling bikes like they're in Black Mirror. I mean everything seems to operate at the press of a button. <laughs> yeah, they're pushing their buttons. But it's what kind of commander is Kirk? If you think about it, he's he's fucking awful. Yeah. Because every time they come to a new planet, uh, hey, we need to send a away team down. Okay, I'm going to be in charge of the away team, and I'm bringing all of my top officers with me. Yeah. So basically, third tier, you guys got the ship. <laughs> and if anything happens, uh, you know, just transport us up. Oh, we can't transport you up because there's some sort of radium shield and we can't get a fix. Oh, fuck. And then they gotta go do something else. And then the red shirt dies. You know, I, I like that they they sort of uh, figured out the communicator and sort of uh, predicted cell phones, but I want my cell phone to have that same dial that is apparently on the communicator that helps them get better signal because every time he can't get through to the ship he's like, <laughs> maybe here, maybe here, maybe I'm flicking the dial. Uh, I was going to say, uh, based on what Chris is saying, there there was a lost opportunity for an episode where you have like an ensign who's just had enough and they just decide to abandon them on the planet. Like, okay, they're gone. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Oh, I think they're uh, they're dead. Uh, let's go. Uh, well, that's always yep. that was a fun side joke in uh, Galaxy Quest is when you had the Sam Rockwell character and basically he's just shitting his pants the entire time because he uses <laughs> right. the red shirt. And I thought I love how they just drew that out through the entire movie. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what the red shirt would be like. Oh fuck! <laughs> Galaxy Quest gets a lot of these things like their their whole alien race thing. The the Thermians was basically a, a play on the society that found the book and based everything off of uh, Gangsterland or whatever, right? Yeah. It was, okay, let's, you know, let's play the absurdity of that. That's why it's one of the best Star Trek movies ever made. Yeah. My favorite joke in Galaxy Quest, actually, when Sigourney Weaver, uh, <laughs> they're, in that, yeah, they're in that crunch time and they're like, uh, computer, do this and this and that, can't you just say, I have one job on this ship. And I am going to do it. Look, I have one job on this lousy ship. It's stupid, but I'm going to do it, okay? No, I like it when they're in the room with the little mashy hammer things they have to run through. And she's like, oh, God damn it! why is this here? What does this do? <laughs> exactly. It was every Star Trek episode do a T. I love that movie. It's so underappreciated. So, um, trying to move forward in time maybe a little bit. The Star Trek itself... Uh, when 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 they did the motion picture, they were actually trying to launch the Paramount TV network in the seventies. Yeah, 
and they brought in a lot of the writers, and they were writing Star Trek Phase Two, a number of the scripts for which were actually recycled as Next Generation episodes yeah. when there was a writer's strike in the 80s. Uh, but the uh, the film was an elongated by quite a bit uh, version of one of those scripts. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to be that but, long. And they, oh, and also they, the reason they considered that movie a flop was that they put the production budget of this entire failed series onto the movie so that they could write it off as part of the, you know, the cost. And so this movie cost an exorbitant amount of money once you consider that they were also working for two years on a fucking TV show. Well, plus you have to wonder how many people went because it was a Robert Wise movie and they thought they were getting <laughs> yeah, there's that too. Hey, I hear it's kind of like the sand pebbles in space. Yeah. <laughs> there was a guy, I can't remember the actor's name now, but there was a guy who had been cast in Star Trek Phase 2 as the new Vulcan guy. His name was supposed to be Zahn. Yeah. And they totally fucked him out of his role. And he has a he has a bit part in uh, the motion picture where he gets killed brutally by the Klingons or something towards the beginning of the movie. Do you think he uh, went to the conventions? I'm sure he's still going to the conventions. And yeah, and tried to sell autographed pictures. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. I got uh, I got cut from the motion picture. No, they, I'm sure he's got pictures of himself in Vulcan regalia, and those would be the ones he'd probably try to sell. <laughs> well, when we were talking about this, again, because I honestly don't watch the show that much anymore. Uh, but if one of the movies is on, I will stay. Yeah. Uh, I only uh, watch for a little bit, and through the the originals, uh, I don't really have much need for the, any of the the next gen stuff. Um, but it struck me that every single one of the movies uh, has some sort of signature line that is attached to it that makes me think of it. And this all started when Star Trek Four had come out. All right, run and them then down. Our, our big our big joke uh, related to that. So the first one, the one that makes that stands out, is basically uh, Kirk looking through space, and he just says, "Bones, there's a thing out there," <laughs> and that pretty much sums up Star Trek One to me. I, there's oh, a no, thing out there. Can I can I share my <laughs> my favorite line from that first one? Is you must join with Vija. With the, the bald chick, <laughs> you must join with Vija. Because somebody saw Daleks and thought they were cool. Uh, my my favorite isn't a line, it's a shot when Kirk and, and McCoy are in the little shuttlecraft going to the Enterprise for the first time and like the 25-minute the version of the next-gen theme <laughs> is playing and... <laughs> And it's just Shatner, like, going, <sighs> like, just sighing with pride. You know what's really great about that? Uh, I saw that the extended version or the, the whatever version of the motion picture, there are sh- there are shots in that of the Enterprise throughout the movie. There are these, these shots they did, and they didn't complete the set, or they didn't line the shot, or they didn't complete the mat. And so you can see, like, the scaffolding and the edge of the... This this thing that is an ILM dream has shots in it where you can see gaffers. No. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's, yeah, that's the uh, the director's guy, right? The original one, yeah? Yeah, yeah. When when Kirk is coming out in his little jet suit, it's like, what the fuck? 
fuck? Who 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 proved this? <laughs> All right, so the signature line from Star Trek Two, the good uh, well, one. Well, it's got to be it's when Kirk yells, Khan! yeah, and then it reverberates across that asteroid field, <laughs> and you get that like triple effect. See, for me, it's the line right before that. It's like I have done worse than kill you. I have hurt you. I've done far worse than kill you. I've hurt you, and I wish to go on hurting you. Well, everything Ricardo Montalban says in that movie is fucking genius. I am sorry. I will defend yeah. Ricardo Montalban in that movie. He tasks me. He tasks me, and I shall have him. I fucking yeah. love that movie. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, when they first when they first arrive to the city Alpha Five. Or City Alpha, whatever it is. This is City is Alpha five, 5. Is it 5 or 6? Five. Uh, uh, City just, Alpha six, 6 exploded in space six months after we were left here. But you need the throwaway line of him going, My dear guest, welcome <laughs> to City Alpha 5. <laughs> Tattoo, get them a drink. <laughs> I don't know that 3... Oh yeah, 3, you Klingon bastards, you killed my son. Klingon bastards, you... Kill my son. You got, yeah, you got it. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> I always think the fact that it's, uh, that it's uh, fucking Reverend Jim is the bad guy. <laughs> that one kills me too. <laughs> Doc Brown, the Klingon. Yeah, yeah, fucking and the and Doc the kid Brown. from Square Pegs. His kid is the his kid is the kid from Square Pegs. Yeah. Oh yeah, Merritt Buttrick. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, but the fourth one, my favorite line, wasn't actually a line in the movie. It's one I made up over time. Scotty, whale song. But it's not in the movie. <laughs> Listen, Scotty, whale song. Whale song. Now, I, yeah, that one was hard for me to come up with, but uh, the one that keeps coming back, because they tried to make it a comedy yeah. for mm. whatever reason. So 86 was a weird year. That, that same summer, uh, Eddie Murphy's Golden Child came out. Right, and so the way that Paramount marketed these things, it's like, well, it's Eddie Murphy, so we're going to do this as a comedy. But it turns out Golden Child's actually more of, of just like a straight up weird action thing, and they made like they flipped the two. So Star Trek Four is the comedy, uh, so there's a lot of lighthearted banter and the fish out of water because they do the awful time travel thing. Mm. But it's when Spock and Kirk are sitting on the bus, and they start mm. talking about the slang. Double dumbass on you. Double dumbass on you. I mean, it yeah. just, I'm like, who who the fuck has ever said double dumbass on you? <laughs> <laughs> what you want where you're going, you dumbass? Double dumbass on you. And you're supposed to be the smart one. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it just bothers me. I was uh, I was not, the only one line I can remember for sure from that is the nuclear vessels, which just didn't work. Yeah, the at nuclear vessel. So, yeah. I liked Whatever. everyone remember where we parked. I, I thought that was fun. Ah. Uh, yeah. yeah it okay. Be they, better if they could have put in like the uh, bleep bleep. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing on that movie now <laughs> is uh, it was supposed to well, originally, uh, Eddie Murphy was a big Star Trek fan, and they were trying right. to basically work him into it. And they had a an Eddie Murphy Star Trek film they were going to make and then paramount said if we do that we basically we we could have two movies that make a lot of money because star trek makes money and eddie murphy makes money or we can have one movie that makes a lot of money and there's no sense in that so they wouldn't let him do it so they had to rewrite basically the movie without eddie murphy but they had planned a comedy i guess the whole time 
Yeah. Yeah, well, he was supposed to be the, the whatever, the ocean scientist. Oh, so, you yeah. know, would, Co- would Kirk have hit on Eddie Murphy? Think about yeah. this. You're like, well. <laughs> Get the left. <laughs> but, the, but the other weird thing uh, through the, the history of the movie so far. So in Star Trek 1, you've got Stephen Collins in a prominent role. Mm-hmm. And in Star Trek 4, you've got, um, I can't remember her name. Oh, you're not doing a seventh like heaven I, callback, are you? This is a seventh heaven callback. Yeah, and then they become <laughs> the parents of seventh heaven. <laughs> oh, God. It's all connected, man. It's all connected. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then we get to we get to, to Star Trek Five, which uh, is which another it's great, great. It, well, film. unfortunately, it, it is, but it's not actually the final frontier, which is unfortunate because it could have done us all a favor. <laughs> but they, but I think that when we all went and saw that, we all came out and realized that it was a giant sneaky turd. Oh yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> the whole the whole ride home, we just kept going. What does, what does God, God need, need with a star with a starship? Yep. <laughs> it's me. It's Cybok. That's <laughs> uh, no, no. It's he wants to get to Sean Connery or Sean, uh, Yeah, which is actually why they call it Shatnery. Is they yeah. uh, that Shatner owns oh. up to that in in his movie memories book that he he wrote the role of Cybok for Sean Connery. And ended up naming frickin' Heaven after Sean Connery. Shakari. <laughs> wow. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I think, yeah, that one looms large. That was also the movie where after we left because we saw a late show, and I'm still, I still remember this clearly, we all piled into Eric's really shitty Bronco. Oh, God. And then... Uh, your your Bronco fucking ran out of gas at the top of the hill of an underpass, <laughs> and so we had to go down the hill and hope to God that we had enough. Yeah, to get us. To yeah, and I had to. I put it in neutral, and I'm like, start praying, and we all start praying at the top of our <laughs> lungs, and and it just rolls into the gas station and rolls yeah. to a stop in front yeah. of the pump. Yeah, and then I think somebody said, "This is what God needs with a starship." Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that one was awful. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 well, having watched it since then, yeah, it's awful. I mean, as a Star Trek film, it's it's got so many problems. It's they're, they're, they're crossing the you know half of the galaxy in nothing. Something that later on they say is you know takes it takes seventy years to cross that distance at top warp speed, whatever. But yeah, I I still kind of like it. I think I, I still kind of like so, it because it's so introspective at times. It's well, less do about you like the, the part where they're actually stuff. talking to what uh, appears to be God, and it's actually the master control program from Tron. <laughs> is that your favorite part? No, my favorite part is the one where they make uh, Bones relive the memory of killing his dad, and they the, <laughs> they they show how he is removing this pain. And I was like. That's kind of fucking cool. I'm sorry. That's kind of cool. They should have had more of that and less of the poorly explained sci-fi planet of intergalactic peace. Huh? It's the Road Warrior. I mean, this whole planet is the Road Warrior, and it's the planet of intergalactic peace. I don't get it. Well, and then the other subtext of the entire movie is, oh, this is what uh, Vulcans would be like if they were actually like people. They're not insufferable. (laughs) And then we can move on. Yeah, uh, but but we did get to hear them sing "Row, Row, Row Your Boat," which I mean, <laughs> we need that. 
And that guy, Larry Luckenbull, was Cybok. And Larry Luckenbull's wife is uh, 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 Lucy Arnez, the daughter of Lucy and, and Ricky, who we already mentioned, who ran Desilu Studios, which produced Star Trek. Oh, my God! Connection! Oh, my God! <laughs> yeah, we need, we need uh, James Burke to just show up now. And just do his little segment on connection. And then uh, Kevin Bacon showed up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you blew my mind, man. You blew my mind. <laughs> Six degrees of Kevin Bacon for for DeForest Kelly. Go. Uh, no. Hamlet. Oh shit. Uh, <laughs> thank God it's Friday. Oh shit. Uh, <laughs> so we get to uh, Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. Or as I like to call it, hey, let's make every Hamlet reference we can possibly make in a Star Trek movie. And or as I like to call it, shit, we need Nick Meyer to write another script. <laughs> well, you, it's just it's it's got inherent problems. They try to do the the uh, the political thriller type thing, um, but now I watch it and all I can see is Kurtwood Smith and those weirdly blonde Klingon eyebrows and beard. And he basically looks like he's had a fake tan done because he doesn't look like any of the other Klingons. Who's so Kerwood Smith? Huh? Who's, who's Kerwood Smith? Kerwood Smith, the dad from that '70s show. Oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah. Was he a, was he a Klingon in that movie? No, he he was yeah. some some other alien, but that had really white hair and yeah. I thought he was a Klingon. No, the, uh, the, the lead Klingon that also doesn't look like a Klingon was Christopher Plummer. Well, yeah, that one I know, because he's the one that spouts all the fucking Shakespeare the entire <laughs> yeah. time. And I don't know if this is true, but this is something I heard years ago uh, when they were starting to fold the Klingons into the whole Star Trek universe. So they brought some linguists in to help them with the Klingon language. And I and it was the, the myth that I understand it is that there was some plucky linguist who was... Uh, playing a little funny on everybody and he basically did not give the Klingons any verb for to be. Yep. <laughs> and so how in the fuck are you going to do Hamlet in Klingon if you don't have a verb for to be? And so the whole thing kind of just spiraled out of control for me when I heard that little thing. I yeah, went, so they had to add it. Yeah. In that movie, but that that is a thing. Yeah. It reminds me of the uh best Klingon joke I've seen in years is a meme that was like, uh, I don't know if I should be embarrassed because my dad uh, came in here and yelled at me in Klingon or if I'm embarrassed because I know that what he said was I was an embarrassment to the Empire. <laughs> and the response in the comments was, you should be ashamed that you're an embarrassment to the Empire. <laughs> my favorite... My favorite Klingon joke is, uh, what do the Star Trek Enterprise and toilet paper have in common? So I think you know where that's going. I don't. Oh no! Go on. <laughs> Please. They both circle Uranus looking for Klingons. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can make a Halloween costume uh, uh, to be the Enterprise, and all you need are two wiffle bats and a sombrero. And you put on the sombrero, and you hold the <laughs> wiffle bat behind you, and you just walk around, and you're the Enterprise. Yeah. Oh dear. Uh, that really gets my clompar. Rising. Did we actually get a quote from uh, Star Trek Six? Then I I couldn't think of one. Basically, I got got to uh, 
with Bones and Kirk, and then Bones just basically uh, lets out an exasperated Kobayashi Maru again, and that sums up the that entire thing for me. I like the one where Christopher Plummer keeps quoting Shakespeare, and uh, McCoy says, "I'd pay real money for him to shut up." I think that 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 to me is the best line. <laughs> I think I think most people remember the there's a scene where Iman, David Bowie's wife, is a shape shifting alien, and she shifts into <laughs> um, William Shatner and yeah. makes a reference to like making out with himself as his lifelong dream. I can't believe I kissed you. Must have been your lifelong ambition. Because he's a narcissist, you get it? Uh-huh. No, the uh, the one I like is when she shows up and starts like and, and and like kisses him on the mouth and walks away, you know, like meet me under the blah blah blah. And McCoy says, What, what is, is it, it with you, you anyway? <laughs> the first acknowledgement that all alien trim is attracted to James Kirk. So that was that was my quote thing. Okay. That was about as far as I got. Technically <laughs> Kirk shows up in Star Trek seven, but we yeah. Well so does Malcolm McDowell who did pretty much every shitty movie in the 90s. So does Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's the other thing. Pardon my French, but you could take a lump of coal. So. Yeah. And then we we won't even discuss. uh, That'll that'll save it for the the next Star Trek discussion. Yeah. Um, the next, but, uh, it's ear. It's eerie how much you look like Riker, Brian. Uh, <laughs> I actually got that as a comment. So, like, I gave a talk at the Game Developers Conference in 2006, and the only piece of feedback I even remember from that talk was was the comment that said, "Brian Kruger looks so much like Commander Riker that I can't pay any attention to what he's saying. It's too distracting." <laughs> Do you also come into a room and just like when you sit in a chair, do you throw your leg over just nonchalantly? And I, you know, I've been Kimbo. That. Yeah, uh, have you? Because that's one the of my Riker favorite maneuver. internet. Yeah, yep. one of my favorite clips is every time he does that on the show, <laughs> and apparently it's a lot because they could do a whole supercut. Yeah, it's amazing. Unfortunately, I've completely gone to hell because I did actually get stopped in a mall once because somebody thought I was Zach Galifianakis. So. <laughs> Apparently, I just have completely let myself go. Ah, uh, no, they're just dumb. Also, that just, uh, just like, have you never seen Star Trek, sir? <laughs> <laughs> and then move on with your day. I wish I could record the sound that is coming out of this Google Hangout right now, because all I'm getting is feedback, and I, 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 and it sounds like that time. You guys were all getting high in the fucking bathroom, and I walked in, and I, I, I was high, and you all started going, "What's the matter?" And it sounds just like that, and you all made me lose my fucking mind because I didn't, could not, I knew you were fucking with me, but I couldn't prove it, and so all I could hear was, because you were just awful people, and oh yeah, and I looked at you, Brian, as like my one sort of anchor to the world like come on they're fucking with me right and you go and that's what i'm hearing now (laughs) out of google hangout can you hear me now (laughs) oh yeah 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 so i'm i'm literally like in an hour i'm gonna go meet a buddy of mine for dinner and uh he is a like a huge trek fan like he worked he actually worked on the the pc games where the original cast um was was doing voice work for the like adventure games 
Yeah. And to this day, he's 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 got like the whole game figured out for another um another game in that in that uh series. And he's like, you know, I, I want to see if I can get, you know, people to listen to me at Paramount. I, I you know, I want to see if I can, you know, make this happen with Kickstarter. And I'm like, dude, Nimoy died. Like, how are you going to get his voice? You know, <laughs> but um, I've got to I'm going to go meet with this guy in an hour and everything we've just said about Star Trek. He, If I played this podcast for him, he'd probably correct us on every single thing we said. Yeah, bring it. That's what I say. <laughs> Well, you tell me if I'm wrong. I, I I think I would be more embarrassed, and if he if he couldn't find anything I said that was uh, wrong about Star Trek, I think I would be an embarrassment to the Klingon Empire if that happened. <laughs> you well, are an embarrassment to the Empire. Well, I take it as a point of pride that uh, everything I say about Star Trek is completely wrong. Oh, uh, oh, that's my that's my position, and I'm staking it. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, uh, DeForest Kelly. Was in Valley Girl with uh, 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 Nicholas Cage, who was in Drive Angry with Gail Amber Heard, who was married to Johnny Depp, who was in Platoon, which was directed by uh, Oliver Stone, who directed JFK with Kevin Bacon. Ba bam! Okay, that took me like twenty minutes, and I think I'm Where one degree the first over. In Valley Girl. Yeah, I'm, I'm missing the first link. I don't know. I made that part out. <laughs> I, I Honestly, I, I think you can get there through Kim Cattrall <laughs> because she was in Star Trek Six. <laughs> but DeForest Kelly in Valley Girl, I would love to see that. <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh. Holy shit! <laughs> I don't know why I thought that, but I'm. I, 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 yeah, I think I'm wrong. I think I'm wrong on that. <laughs> Oh, but I so, see. So right. I see. He was in a movie in 1947 <laughs> called Variety Girl. That's why I misremembered that. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I went. I did seven degrees right there. I, I already yeah fucked that up. But whatever. <laughs> whatever. I'm, I'm proud of you for trying. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Uh. So have we pretty well beat this dead horse. Yeah. I think so. Because really, all I got to add now are the uh, the clips where they do Scottish Star Trek or Cockney Star Trek, um, yeah. which are amazing, and that's okay. just a whole other thing now. So I'll, all right, gotta, well, that was our th- thrilling discussion of a TV show you haven't seen in twenty or thirty years. Um, <laughs> stay tuned for other arcane bits of conversational comedy. Mm-hmm.